Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome to News from the Torah. This is Leah Roney. Today is the eighth day of the Hebrew month of Adar Aleph. The first month of Adar this year is a leap year, and we have two months of Adar. So today is the eighth of Adar Aleph, the first month of Adar, and the ninth of February 2022. And today, on News from the Torah, we will be discussing the Torah portion of Ata Titzavet which all deals with the clothing and the service of Kohanim, the priests, in the tabernacle and in the Holy Temple, something that sounds so far away from our world, so irrelevant. But we are going to make it very relevant, because we're going to talk about clothes. The clothes make the man. What do they? Well, in the Torah they do. This week... The Torah will regiment exactly how the priest is supposed to be dressed. And the Talmud teaches that each one of the garments that was worn by the priests symbolized a different force in our nature, in our soul. We're going to go through all of the clothes and discuss exactly how they reflect the different parts of our soul, different parts of our psyche, and how by connecting to the service of God, through each one of these parts of our soul, we can elevate them to truly become priests ourselves. The Jewish people have a mandate. We're the kingdom of priests, and our job is to be a beacon of light and godliness in the world. It's an everyday struggle to connect to this consciousness. It's an everyday struggle to keep in mind that you are not just a private individual. As a Jew, you are a messenger of God and godliness in the world. Every step you make, every place you go, every outing is a message to the world, a message of godliness. So how do we keep then mindfulness and how can we use clothes to help us stay in this space? This is going to be the topic of today's show. So stay tuned. Right after these messages, we will jump into the wardrobe of the priest. Israel is located in one of the most volatile areas in the world. Israel is an island of stability and a sea of war and unrest. In the midst of this turmoil, Israel stands out as a beacon of order and human progress. Each week we update you on what's happening in this, the Jewish state, a true light unto the nations. This is Jay Shapiro. Join me every Thursday on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back. 
So, as we said in the introduction, today's entire show is going to be dedicated to the clothing of the Kohanim, which seems to be such an irrelevant topic, except especially for our society. Our society is all about letting it all hang out. Our society is all about the freedom to do what I want. If it doesn't bother you, it's none of your business. Who cares how I get dressed? It's all about me and what it makes me comfortable, what I want to wear, and how I want to express myself. And stop getting into my business. This is probably the biggest overarching principle of today's society. And any attempt to regiment a prescribed dress is considered to be a sign of patriarchy, especially when it comes to women's dress. We are told that the patriarchy and religion police women's dress, to police women, to take control over women's life. And the concept of modesty, of tzniyut, which is so central to Judaism and to Jewish halacha, has been badmouthed in many, many ways as a way of rabbis policing women and women's bodies. So we're going to dive into the idea of clothing today to understand that the Taurus is clothing in a very, very different way. What is a priest? A priest, says Rashi, is a person of service. The entire point of priesthood is not a caste. It's not an upper elite strata of society. On the very opposite, priests are servants of God and the representatives of the people, the priests are really there to serve the people by representing them in front of God and getting atonement for people from God. The Jewish people are not superior to the rest of the world if they're priests of God. The Jewish people are actually here to serve the entire humankind by representing the humankind in front of God and by being the messengers of godliness and his Torah and his way to the entire world. So for Jews, being Jewish is really nothing about being chosen in a way of superiority, but rather being chosen for service. Now we know in that in every single culture, people of service have a uniform. Soldiers have uniform, police have uniforms, Nurses have uniforms. Judges have uniforms. For example, here in Israel, just like in the in the UK, judges and lawyers are supposed to wear a black robe at a time that they're in court because this is representing of the judgment and of the seriousness of the case that they have been mindful of. In every culture, businessmen have uniforms. The businessman's uniform is the suit. And actually, when a businessman walks around in a suit, he has this sense of authority. And people take people in suits much more seriously and are much more likely to actually do when they're told by somebody in a suit rather than somebody in street clothes. So we see that people of service actually always have uniforms. Why is that? Not to make them uniform, not to take away their individuality, but to remind them that when they wear a uniform, they are here to serve. And the same goes for the Kohanim, the priests. The uniform of Kohanim was there to affect the inner world of the Kohanim, to remind them that they're here to serve. And if a Kohen 
was missing one piece of clothing, his entire service was invalidated. So let's delve into this world of clothing. Where did the clothing come from? We have a principle in Judaism that the first time a concept is mentioned in the Bible is really the source of all its meaning. The first time we have clothes in the Bible is right in the beginning, after Adam and Eve sinned for the first time. So God sewed for them clothes to cover their nakedness. There is a very central point in Judaism that there are two parts to this human psyche. The two souls inside of us, and they're at a constant war between them. There is the animal side of us, the animal soul, what keeps us going, what keeps us alive. It's not evil, but it's animal. And inside each one of us lives a different animal. One is a cow, one is a cat, one is a horse. One is a bull. We all have these animal urges inside of us. And they're different from person to person. But the point is that these animal urges make us live on an instinct. We all have instincts. We all get triggered. And that's the animal side of us. And then there is the higher godly side of us. The part of us which wants to be mindful of spirituality, mindful of greater things, mindful of God, mindful of the fact that we're not animals that live to eat and sleep and go to work, but mindful of being here for the service of God to present something higher and greater and better. And this internal, spiritual, godly side of us doesn't really get expressed so much. Our internal, godly soul is represented by our faces. In Hebrew, the word face is panim, and it is the same letters as pnim, internality. It is said that the wisdom of a person is reflected on their face. And very often when we look at somebody's face, we can see what mood they're in, what's going on about them, what they're thinking. The internal world of a person is reflected on their face. And the rest of our body, it represents the animal side. Now, it's very important for me to know that the body is not bad. There's a Christian outlook on the world that makes body, its needs, its urges, bad, evil. The body is bad. It has to be denied. It has to be destroyed. It has to be outruled. Judaism doesn't believe any of this. Although, over the past 2,000 years, having lived in this Christian surrounding, many Jews have taken on this mindset. But in our original Judaism, the body is not evil. The body is holy. It was created by God for the service of God, and the body is holy. It is only when the body goes off on its own, when the body gets cut off from the head, when the body gets cut off from the intellect, when the body gets cut off from the face, when the body and its urges get cut off from the higher godly pursuit, that's when they become bad. But the body in and of itself is actually neutral. And it is what you do with it that makes it either holy or the opposite of holy. So it's very important for me to point out that the body 
and bodily needs are never perceived as evil or bad in Judaism. They're here to be uplifted. They're here to be infused with spiritual energy. And our bodies have an amazing, amazing ability to do mitzvot, to perform commandments. You cannot put on tefillin if you don't have an arm. You cannot give tzedakah, charity, if you don't have a hand. You cannot run to a Torah class if you don't have feet. You cannot listen to a Torah class if you don't have ears. And you cannot give words of encouragement to other people if you don't have a mouth. So our bodies are holy and pure if we use them for holy and pure purposes. And it's actually very important for us to embrace our bodies, to love our bodies, to treasure our bodies, not to reject them, because our bodies is what enables us to serve God. Let's look at our bodies right now. Look at your body and see how do you feel about it. Body image is such a big part of our consciousness today. There's so much talk about body image. There's so much talk about people hating their bodies because they're too fat, too thin, to this, to that. Look at your body. It's an amazing body given to you by God to do His work. Look at your hands. How many great things have you done with your hands? How much money have you given to charity? How many meals have you cooked? How many people have you hugged with your arms? How many good things have you done with your hands? How many letters did you write? Maybe you just typed up an email to somebody. There are amazing things you can do with your hands. And your arms are strong and big. If you're a man, you might have buy, used them to buy tefillin today. That's a big mitzvah. What acts of chesed, of loving kindness, have you done with your arms? Where did you show up in a way that was adding to God's light, to God's honor in this world? Where have you gone with your legs that brought honor to God, that showed how committed you are to serving God? So our bodies are amazing. But to keep our bodies amazing and holy, we have to set aside the animal nature. And when the body is exposed, when it's all hanging out, when parts of the body that should be modest are shown off, that's when our bodies become reminders of our animal side and not our holy side. Our bodies are amazing and holy when they're guided with holy thoughts, holy intentions, holy purpose. When they're guided by our head and our face and our mind. So the body has to be covered to cover its animal side and to underline its purpose of serving our high purpose. Now all about that, about the higher purpose and how our clothes serve to remind us of our higher purpose. All of that right after the break. The Tamar Yona Show. Tamar? She's sassy. She's smart. She's funny. But she's also a real Jewish mother. 
Hi, everybody. I'm Tamar Yona. And yes, I can be all of those things. But at Israel News Talk Radio, I'm here to bring you the news stories and guests that you may not hear anywhere else. Join me live on air Sundays, Mondays, and Tuesdays for the most unique and bold talk radio in Israel. The Tamar Yona Show. We're delving into the wardrobe of the high priest and talking about the fact that the clothes do a person make. So, the Rashi, our preeminent medieval commentator, says on this Parsha that it was actually the clothing that uplifted the priests to be priests and invested the priesthoods in the priests because, as we said, priesthood is all about service. So, yes. When does a regular human being become a priest? When he dons on his clothes. Just like think of a police person. A policeman, let's say his name is Jack, wakes up in the morning, he drinks his cup of coffee, he plays with his kids, he makes a sandwich, maybe he makes a scrambled eggs for breakfast. And during that entire time, Jack is just Jack. He's just a private citizen, a person like every one of us. But then he goes into his bedroom and he puts on his police uniform. And from the moment that he puts on his police uniform, he stops being Jack and he becomes a policeman. And when Jack walks out of his apartment and onto the street, when you see him, you don't think of him, hey, there is Jack. You think of him as, hey, that's a policeman. And that policeman invokes in you a whole range of emotion, thoughts, uh, attitudes. And for example, if you get into trouble, you look around to find a policeman because you know that a policeman is a person who will be of service to you if, for example, God forbid, you are attacked. So the uniform makes Jack a policeman. And if Jack misses one piece of his uniform, the entire point is missing. And in fact, he can get persecuted or he can get fined or get reprimanded in the police force by not wearing his full uniform. So the same thing is true about the priests. When a priest called Moshe puts on his priestly garments, he stops being a private citizen Moshe and he becomes priest Moshe. And with this garments, he now represents the entire Jewish people in front of God. So now, let's take that to our lives. You wake up in the morning, and you get out of bed, and you drink your cup of coffee, and you make a scrambled egg, and through all of that, you're just a private citizen. You're a person, you know, no special strings attached. But now, when you look at your wardrobe, and you choose your garments, you choose your clothes for the day, do you think of what your clothes are going to project to the world around you? And I know people say, yeah, I don't dress for the street. I dress for myself. I wear what's comfortable. But psychology doesn't work this way. Human psychology just simply doesn't work this way. We'll look at people and we make decisions and we judge people based on their clothing. Yes, that might sound superficial. And yes, you might be revolted by the idea. But this is how human minds work. People 
look at other people and make decisions about them in split seconds, even before they are aware. It's actually quite subconscious. And if you argue with that, you're arguing with human nature. You're actually arguing with neurology. So think about it. The priestly garments not only affected the people around the priest, they also affected the priest himself. Just like I'm sure a police person, when he or she wears that uniform, that uniform puts them into a certain state of mind. Actually, it has been shown in research that police people feel much more powerful when they have that uniform on. That uniform signals to them and to the environment that they are in a position of power and authority. So when you approach your wardrobe, how do your clothing choices affect how you feel about yourself and how other people feel about you? And what God is telling us through this story of clothes of the coin is that you cannot escape this. Your clothing defines how you feel about yourself. It also defines how other people feel about you. And when you get dressed, you should get dressed with the mindfulness of being a priest. Because every Jew is a priest. You cannot escape that role. Every Jew is a priest of God in the world. We all have a job to do. And our clothes should be here to help us to keep that mindfulness. Not to feel repressed, not to feel regimented, but to feel empowered to be mindful of our place in God's world, of our power, of our authority, of our commitment to spreading the light of God. So how can you do that through your clothing? Choose clothes that really make you feel empowered. Choose clothes that really show the world that you are here as the light of God. And yes, Jewish law has what to say about that. Those are the laws of modesty. So modesty sounds like something that is all about covering up, that's all about hiding, but it's actually not about hiding, it's revealing. It's what you choose to hide that reveals other things. When I'm writing a letter to somebody, I choose what not to say and what yes to say. Every no to one thing is a yes to another thing, and every yes to one thing is a no to something else. We would choose to set aside, accentuates what we choose to reveal. So do we choose to reveal our bodies? Do we choose to reveal our more animal side? Or do we choose to reveal our face? When we dress in a way that really pulls a lot of attention to our physicality, then people will look at that and they will pay less attention to our face, our facial expressions, the revelation of our godly spirituality on our face. But when we dress in a way that pulls more attention away from our bodies, we actually accentuate our face. We accentuate our godliness and the expression of our soul on our face. So we come to get dressed in the morning. We're really making choices about the messages we want to send out to the world. Now, I know some people will say, all that is garbage. I don't get dressed for anybody. I don't care. I'm just going to wear what's comfortable for me, and I don't care. Okay, that's a choice you also make. You need to understand when you make that choice, you're also sending out a statement into the world. 
You're obviously free to get dressed any way the world you want, but that sends a message. And if you want to be a priest of God in the world, if you want to be here on a mission, if you want people to look at you and be reminded of godliness, of happiness, of positivity, well, how would you dress? Think about it. There are also certain colors that when you wear them, they actually send a message. For example, yellow is a color of happiness. And if you wear yellow, you send messages of happiness. Blue and black is a combination, uh, a message of power, and so is red, by the way. So the colors that you wear play psychological effects on yourself and on other people. So when you come to get dressed, you can actually turn getting dressed into a mitzvah. You can turn your clothes into service of God, not by suppressing, as people sometimes think that if you wear modest clothes, you're suppressing yourself. No, by expressing by expressing your spirituality, by expressing your godliness, by expressing your commitment, by expressing your belief in your power and authority, by expressing your belief that you are a priest of God in the world, and therefore you don a uniform, a uniform that can be quite individual and quite revealing of your personality, by a uniform that conforms to the guidelines of halacha, of Jewish law, and that also sends a message. And there's so much room for fun and playfulness and beauty and expression in these clothes that we wear based on halacha. And Tamar Feld, who is the owner and editor of this radio station, actually does that so beautifully with her headscarves. If you follow Tamar on Facebook, you can see her beautiful, gorgeous colorful, vibrant headscarves with a different combination every day. They just express the majesty, the priesthood, the uh, vitality of a Jewish woman. I get to see Tamara's pictures almost every day, and they put a smile on my, on my face. How Tamara took this mitzvah of a head covering and turned it into her crown. So when you approach your clothes, Think of yourself as a priest. If I was the high priest of God, which actually each one of us is in a way, if I'm a priest of God, what clothes am I going to choose today to send that message? What do I want people to feel like when they see me? Am I going to choose something yellow to bring more happiness, more simcha into the world, especially now during the month of Adar that's all about happiness? Am I going to choose something that's a little bit more uh, in quieter tones because I don't want people to look at my clothes and I actually want them to engage with my mind and my ideas. Am I going to wear something strict, a little bit like a business suit that is going to put me in a place of authority and that's how people are going to perceive me? Your clothes do send a message and please use them to remind yourself and those around you that you are here on a mission and godliness is spreading from you every step you make, everything you do. So now, after these messages, we're actually going to jump into the meat of the clothes of the Kohen Gadol. We're going to discuss the four pieces of clothing worn by a regular priest and eight pieces of clothing worn by the high priest. And what do each one of them symbolize in our own psyche, in our own soul, 
how can we think of those character traits when we get dressed every single day? Stay tuned, and we will be right back after these messages. In a time where feelings have become fact, where rational thought and common sense has disappeared, one man stands above it all. I'm Howie Sobaker, your political hitman. Political Hitman airs every Tuesday at 11.59 p.m. North American Time, 7 a.m. Israeli Time, only on Israel News Talk Radio. Are you interested in transforming your life, drawing closer to the Creator, and uncovering the deeper meanings and hidden treasures in the Hebrew Bible? Then join me, Rav Yitzhak Michelson, and me, William Hall, on the Science of Kabbalah, where we are seeking to narrow the gap between what we understand of our physical and spiritual worlds. So make sure to tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Israel Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, here on Israel News Talk Radio. of today's show. As we're reading Parshat Tetzaveh this week, we're talking about the garments of the high priest and the regular priest and how those are reflected in our psyche. So our sages say that each one of the pieces of clothing worn by the priest, the Kohanim, was reflective of a different side of our spiritual and psychological makeup. So we're going to go through these and understand what that means. So here we go. A regular Kohen wore four pieces of clothing, and they were all in white. He wore a robe, pants, belt, and a turban. And our sages say that the robe represented bloodshed, pants atoned for illicit relationships, the belt atoned for unproductive, lustful thoughts of the heart, and the turban represented haughtiness and atoned for haughtiness. Each one, each one of these garments atoned for a different side of the human being. So we need to understand that what does this mean atone? How do priests atone for the sins of other people? And in Judaism, we don't believe in divesting people of responsibility and giving somebody else the responsibility to atone for them. We don't believe in intermediaries the way some other religions do. So every person is obviously responsible for his or her choices, his or her actions, his or her sins. And nobody can atone for a person until they repent, until they see the evil side of their action, how unproductive those actions are, what damage they cause to the person and to the surroundings. And only when a person realizes and is mindful of how his or her actions, speech and thought, unproductive and pull them away from God when they understand that they take it upon themselves to mend their ways and they also apologize to the people they have hurt that's called atonement so every person is responsible for their own atonement but then there are sides of us of which we're simply not aware of 
Each one of us has something in our psyche that is unproductive, and very often we're not even aware of that issue. We're not aware that we're looking at people in a certain way, that we're judging them. We're not aware that certain actions we take hurt other people or create damage. And sometimes we're not aware of collateral damage of our actions. Our society has all kinds of bad sides, all kinds of bad phenomena. And each one of us contributes to it in one small way, very often without realizing it. For example, if the homeless people out on the street, people who don't have a place to be, because the society allows that to happen. And in certain societies, there'll be more homeless people, and in other societies, there'll be less homeless people. And it is the society's responsibility to take care of this phenomena. And society is made up of each one of us, so we all contribute to that. So the Kohanim are here to atone for these sides of us, for the things we're not aware of, and also for us as a society in general, for the damage that each one of us contributes to social phenomena that are not productive. So the four garments of the regular Kohen actually represent the more animalistic, lower nature of a person. The robe and the pants that were worn first, that put on first, that are also closest to the person's body, represent our most basic urges. The robe that is on the body represents bloodshed, our aggressiveness. We all have an aggressive side to ourselves, and that aggressiveness, when taken to the extreme, becomes bloodshed. And pants represent our sexual, illicit urges, our lusts, and the way we need to regulate them. If you notice, all of these clothes are white, because white has no blemish. It's pure. So these clothes represent our striving towards taking these instincts and elevating them to place of purity, where we can take the instincts and use them for the service of God, make them white and perfect. Then the next step is the belt. The belt represents the thoughts of our heart, the lustful thoughts of our heart, the images we fill our world with. And that's the next step. That's a little bit higher than the actual triggering urge. It's what you choose to concentrate on. What are your thoughts? You can actually control your thought by taking it away from unproductive thoughts to more productive things. When you see yourself entertaining thoughts that are not helpful, that are not holy, you have the power to say, cut, I'm actually going to choose what I think. And that's the belt. And now the turban represents the striving for covered, for honor, haughtiness. After we've taken care of our most basic animal urges, we all want social approval. We care what other people think about us. We care how people see us. That's something that a lot of people spend a lot of time on. And that place in our psyche, that part of us that is so concerned with social approval and what people think of us and pride are also a basic part of nature. We want to take that part of ourselves and perfect it as well. We want to stop being so dependent on social approval. We want to 
be more dependent on our internal approval, validate our own thoughts instead of constantly thinking, what are people thinking about me? I actually have this experience with my little daughter. She's almost five. She's almost six. And she decided that she wants a haircut. So we went ahead and gave her a haircut. But then after the haircut, she started thinking, what will my friends in kindergarten think? Will they laugh at me? And I looked her in the eyes and I said, sweetie, we don't care what they think. We don't care if they laugh at you. You wanted to cut your hair. She actually wanted to cut her hair to donate it to people with cancer so that those people could make a wig. You wanted to do a holy deed. You wanted to donate your hair. That's a big mitzvah. And if somebody laughs at you for cutting your hair, it's their problem, not yours. So we need to be less dependent on social approval of what other people think of us and be less concerned with pride. And perfecting that place in us is signified by the turban of the Kohen. So now those are the four garments of a regular Kohen. But then there was the high priest, Kohen Gadol. And the high priest had four additional pieces of clothing. And those actually were not white. They were colorful and beautiful. And these represent the more spiritual side of us. The spiritual striving of every person. First came the coat. The coat was a beautiful, colorful outer garment. And the coat atones for the sin of Lashon Hara, of evil speech. Our speech is an outer garment of our thoughts, of our internal world. Whatever happens in our internal world is reflected out through our speech. And if our internal world is not perfected, is not aligned with our godly purpose, then that is going to come out in speech. That is not exactly helpful that judges or attacks other people that is negative. And that negativity in speech is represented by the external beautiful code and the code tones for the speech. Over the code came two very interesting pieces of clothing that were actually connected to each other. One was called a fod. A fod is like a backwards apron. It's an apron that goes behind the back of the coin and it's tied up at the front. And there were two shoulder straps. And on each shoulder strap, there was a big gem. And on each gem, there were six names of the shvatim, of the tribes. So the fod represents idol worship. When we take our beliefs and we put them into wrong places when we believe in wrong, misguided ideologies. And in the middle, at, attached to the shoulder straps over the heart, was the hoshen, a breastplate with 12 stones, each one representing a different tribe of Israel. And that represents judges, our judgment that is over the heart, that is pure and guided by godliness. And finally, over the high priest's forehead was a golden plate that had the letters holy to God, and that intoned for brazenness. Brazenness comes when people forget that they are representatives of God. We can be brazen and hard-headed when we forget that we're here on a mission, that we're emanation of godliness in the world. And so this golden plate 
on the high priest with a reminder for each one of us that each one of us here is a priest and each one of us is a holy to God. And when we concentrate on our thoughts on how can we best represent God in the world, then we stop being brazen and hard-headed and we take on the modesty and the humility to act as messengers of godliness, of goodness, of beauty, of purity in the world. So here we go. We've gone through all of the eight pieces of clothing of Kohanim. A story, a Parsha that could be so irrelevant is actually relevant to everyday choices we make in how we dress and how we interact with society around us. Thank you so much for joining me. It was lovely having you with me on this show. It is lovely to learn Torah with you every single week. And I wish you a week of amazing choices, of great clothes, of holy emotions, and holy interactions with the world around you. Go out and shine your way of godliness to the world. Love you and see you next week. can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips with scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. Howdy, this is Rita from League City, Texas, now living in Israel. And though my heart may have belonged to Texas, it now belongs to Israel and all the fantastic show hosts at Israel News Talk Radio. Hi, this is Michael Solomon from Kiryat Arba, Israel. And why do I love listening to Israel News Talk Radio? Because I love listening to the interesting interviews they do and their news reporting that most other media sources don't cover. Hey, this is Nicole Eko from Malmo, Sweden. It gets pretty cold here in Sweden, so I love cuddling up with a warm cup of tea while I listen to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, this is Frank Norris from Tennessee. Me and my dog Buster really love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. <laughs> You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.